Hi there, welcome to Series 2 of the Release the Sound podcast, where we talk all things prophetic worship. I'm Raymond Waterman, and it is my passion to empower, to educate, encourage, and equip you to release a sound of heaven that transforms the communities that you are a part of. So stay tuned, listen to some amazing guests, and be blessed. Thanks for joining me. Hey friends, I am so excited that you are joining me today on the Release the Sound podcast. It's so great to have you. I am so excited. I think I start every podcast with, I'm so excited because I love talking about worship so much, but the guest that we have today, I've wanted to have him on for a very long time and it's an honor to have Steve Tepp with us all the way from the UK. Let me tell you about Steve if you haven't heard about him. This is for all the Aussies in the group, Steve, but I know in the UK you are very well known, Uh, but Steve from the UK has been leading worship for over 15 years. He travels full-time all over the UK and the nations leading worship, speaking, equipping, training worship teams. He's ministered on albums through Catch the Fire Music. He's featured on two of their albums, and he's just about to release an album under the label Pure Mosaic Records. He's also under the leadership of somebody who is very, very dear to the Waterman family, and that's Dr. Sharon Stone, who we absolutely love, and also your good friends with Prophet Rob Cates, who we also absolutely love. The thing I love about Steve, I've been listening to his music nonstop over the last few days and just loving the spontaneous and the prophetic song in particular, and also that you're doing a couple of covers of some awesome Aussie songs that we love. And so I was very delighted when I got to hear some of those beautiful worship songs that I grew up listening to. But the thing I love about you, Steve, is your heart just to see true worship come across the nations for for, um, that pure sound to be released with fresh fire. And you're doing that. So it's an absolute privilege and honour to have you. And guys, I have to tell you before Steve says anything, We've been talking for about 15 minutes and I said, we have to record all of this because everything he's saying is just so amazing. So, Steve, welcome. It is such an honour to have you. Thank you so much, Roma. It is uh, such a joy uh, to be with you. I'm so honoured to be on this call and on this this interview and I've just loved even the first 10, 15 minutes that we've had being able to speak about worship and what God is saying, what God is doing. Yeah, I'm just super excited. Just a you know, quick one on that album that you referenced is coming out. But yeah, I love that you picked up on on a couple of the old songs. So the actual album is a whole recording of old songs. Oh uh, my goodness. I'm so, so that's excited. Really, yeah. I mean, it's something that God really spoke to me about in the last couple of years, which was really about, we sometimes get so focused on the new wine and then we forget that sometimes there is still a very present wine that's dripping off the old songs that were recorded and written many years ago. And so I think sometimes we can become a little bit too fixated on just the new, the new songs, sound, yes. um, all of that. But actually God spoke to me about these are some of the greatest hymns, worship songs that were ever written. And wow. and the, the wine that was on them is still present and, and flowing today. And you can still feel that. the on it. And so God basically said, just record them, record wow. them again uh, with, a, you know, with my own kind of style and, you know, flavor, I if you will. I love that. I, I'm super cool. excited laughing because, you know, I felt, about two days ago, I, I don't do it. I don't do very many sort of Instagram videos or anything. I'm not sort of that fancy, but I actually went on and talked about that, about how some of those old songs that they carry this testimony that's so powerful. 
and and one of the other reasons why we it's be, we resonate with them because it's telling our story at the same time and yes. and that it's so important not to lose those so i'm just that that's a confirmation to me what you're saying and i have to ask you what's your favorite song that you recorded then on that album oh, wow that's that's a tough one. I mean, we just released two weeks ago, I think it was now, or a week and a half ago, we released the single of As The Deer, that old... Yeah, uh, it's one of my favourites. That is is right up there. Um, I A couple of the other songs that are on it are Beautiful Beyond Description mm. and Graham Kendrick's uh, All I Once Held Dear, Knowing You, Jesus. And so Beautiful. that is probably um, one of my favourites of all time. Mm-hmm. I mean... That kind of speaks right to my heart. We just yes. recorded the chorus of that song, Knowing You, Jesus. Like that is kind of the epitome of sort of everything. Wow. Um, the worship is out there. You know, it's just, this is what we do. Um, this is what we aim for. This is what we strive for is to know him, to love yes. him and to be loved by him. And, and so I think uh, really the heart of the recording is, is that people would come to know Jesus as a result of it. There would be such a restoration of first love because I know God's doing that in the nations right now and yes. you know get in the nations we need it in the church there will be a real uh restoration of the flame of first love once again and yes. so um again that was part of my heart with this recording was Jesus pull people in pull us in to such a place where we come to your feet again and for those who have been stoic and cold and numb and felt distant from you uh you know let this break down the walls and the barriers uh, a lukewarm spirit that's been rampant in nations and let it reawaken a fresh fire and love that's for Jesus. beautiful. Um, oh, so, I I mean, I've got tons of songs that I love, Robert. But, yes, you know, me too. Those are a couple of them that I really love. <laughs> oh, I, cannot, I want this album yesterday. I'm so excited about when it's coming out. This sounds absolutely It'll be here in about two weeks from now. So Probably by the time this podcast is up. So what's the name of the album called so people can uh, It's called Stand in Awe. Stand in awe, Steve Tip. Cannot wait, Steve. That sounds amazing. And I like as you're talking, it's making me think about how you got here. Like, what's your story? For those that don't know you, how did you end up as a worship leader doing this? Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. So, I actually grew up in a Baptist church here in the UK. So, you know, sometimes people are surprised. They say, How do you know all these old songs? It's like, Well, I grew up as a, you know, as a kid listening to, to a lot of these. And, um, and so in the Baptist church here in the UK, um, you know, it was very word-based. There wasn't much, uh, of the sort of evidence of the Holy spirit or the gifts of the spirit. Um, and so worship would really look like you having a list of songs and you kind of, you know, stand up, sit down, you sing one yes. song at a time. And I, you know, I always tell people, I still remember to this day, song number three, six, five was shine Jesus shine. And oh, that was wow. like, you know, that was like no longer a slave or good, good yes. father. Or it was like an anthem, you know, back then. And so whenever I have that song pop up, I'd get so excited uh, to get a chance to to sing it, you know. And so even from a young age, there was something in those songs that was sparking something in me. But obviously there's a big difference between knowing a lot about God and knowing God. And so yes. really, I, I knew a lot about God through tradition and religion and, you know, godly principles and things that were there as well, yes. but didn't really have a... Uh, knowledge of God until I encountered the Holy Spirit at around 15 years old. But um, the way I really got into worship was, and you'll enjoy this actually, I didn't play any instruments, wasn't a singer or anything like that. So it wasn't, you know, musical. Wow. But what happened was there was, so we would have an organ or a piano. That would be the kind of the extent of, you know, musicality yeah. in church that we would have. 
So most of the time we'd have an organist, but occasionally they would have this young pianist play. Um, and, and after the church service, he'd be playing on the keys. And I thought, wow, I just love how he's playing the keys. And so, um, I actually asked him if he could start to teach me a song. So he wow. did. And, um, he just showed me how to play a song, played that song. And then asked when I was about 13 years old, asked my parents if I could get a keyboard for Christmas. So they buy me this little toy keyboard, one of those really yeah. small ones with about 30 keys on it. Yeah. And, uh, and what I would do is, because I didn't have any musical bones in my body, I would just, all I knew were the names of the notes. And so I would listen to a song and then I would pause every single note until I could mm. find it on the piano. Wow. I'm sat in front of a piano right now. And so, you know, I would, I would pause every single note and I, with my one finger, I'd just be going through until I could find the note that would match it. Wow. And because I knew the names of the notes, I would just write down the names of the note on a piece of paper. And so you'd end up with this um, whole sheet of paper with hundreds of notes scribed on it. Uh, and then I would just practice, you know, just following that and playing the melody of a song. And then what happened was there was one time where I was listening to uh, an album. This is a very, very well-known album that I'm sure you know super well. Uh, it was Shouts of the Lord 2000. Oh, yes. And so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know that very well. Yeah, I thought so. And so, um, I mean, amazing album, incredible. Mm-hmm. I listened to that recording and while I was in my room one night, I began like in prayer, closing my eyes and, and the Lord touched me. And as the Lord touched me, when I came out of it, I could start playing the keys. Oh and my so goodness. That was really kind of how I sort of began just getting into worship, realizing, yeah. you know, you never know sometimes in those moments, quite the extent of what God's doing, especially when you're a teenager, you just realize something's kind of happened. And, and, you know, and then I think so often what God does is he instigates and initiates and releases a gift or an anointing or something upon us. And then yes. he requires our partnership to work with him. Wow. So I think yes. some people, are, you know, I think sometimes we'd like it all to be in an instant where we get everything given to us. Uh, but, you know, God doesn't really work like that. There's a in, intention of the heart that he's requiring is partnership and cooperation, co-laboring with Christ. And so it was really like God deposited this supernatural gift in me, but then I had to really partner with him to work at right. that. And so Initially, I was just playing keys with one hand and wow. And I asked, God, can you help me play with two? And so I'd kind of practice a little bit. And then within a week or so, I could pick that up. And, and then wow. I said, well, now I need to try and sing and play at the same time. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I'd spend a couple of weeks. And every time I'd be praying, I'd be praying, God, you know, grant me the ability and the skill wow. and the supernatural grace to be able to learn this. And, and within a very short space of time, he did it. And so, I mean, I can stop there for this first bit. But that's essentially how I, the first bit of how I kind of Amazing. started in worship. Amazing. And uh, I mean, as you're talking, I'm wondering, have you had any moments where you've just gone, this is too hard? This is hard. Because I don't think people see that side. That's why I'd yeah. love to know, like, have you had any discouraging times on this oh, journey? Oh, definitely. Yeah, many, probably too many to count. You know, yeah. I, I think that, you know, worship leaders and musicians, singers, we can be our own worst critic. Absolutely. I, think, you know, I, I don't know what it's like for you, but for, for me, I heavily critical, you know, that mm, was something that God had to really actually deliver me of. And to be honest with you, it's probably God is still working on it. Yeah, and I, I think, think all, all of us. We're on that journey. Oh, and, oh um, yeah. So, I mean, I had, I had multiple times where, you know, it doesn't matter how many words are given to you. You can surprisingly still, you can have a discouraging moment of time and suddenly then question your whole anointing. It's pretty ridiculous when you think about it. Mm-hmm. But, um, 
I mean, I've definitely had times like that where, you know, the, the road is hard, uh, you know, kind of on a musical level, sometimes some of it can be challenging at points and you're trying yeah. to uh, skill and everything, what you're doing. But I think, you know, there's a lot of battles fought. There's a lot of wars that are fought as a worshiper. And I think yes. it's, it's meant to be that way because I wanted to, anyone who's listening to this, you have to understand that God has set the worshipers at the forefront of an army. Mm-hmm. And so God is raising up an army of Levites right now. We're in a season where uh, Judah has to go first. And so wow. God is positioning worshipers at the front line. And so I think sometimes we're under a bit of a, a haze when we think that, you know, things will just be nice and rosy. And I always say, yeah, no, you have to be prepared that you've been, uh, I remember Derek Prince saying, the moment you got saved, you're born into a war zone. I found that very sobering, but very helpful some years ago when I first heard that, because it made sense to a lot of what was going on. I think particularly where there are worshippers, prophetic people, all that sort of um, stuff. I think there's a strong uh, amounts of warfare that can come. Yeah. Uh, but enemy does not want the advancing of the kingdom. And one of the primary things that any worship leader will be doing through their worship and their ascribing of God and exaltation of God is really advancing the kingdom. Yeah. And so I think about it through that mindset. It really begins to shift actually your perspective of worship. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, worship is that you have to understand the purpose of your worship. You have to understand it from the perspective of your conviction that mm-hmm. Jesus is a worthy lamb who deserves all of our worship, not just in song, but everything that we do. But you yeah. have to also understand the ramifications and the spirit that take place. I don't know what it's like for you, Roma. I feel like sometimes in the church, we reduce worship to just this musical expression. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Totally. And, and when we do that, we fail to see and have any awareness of the spiritual ramifications mm-hmm. that are taking place. And, and I'm always trying to encourage worshipers, guys, when you are out there singing, making songs, melodies to God, we are literally enthroning Jesus in a yes. place to reign and have dominion over nations. Uh, it's what the Bible says in Psalm 22, 3, when it says, you are holy and throned on the praises of Israel. Mm. We're setting up a platform and a place for Jesus yeah. to take the stage and be enthroned upon our praise. And so, you know, when that happens, I always say fastest way to dethrone a power principality is to enthrone a greater one. Oh, I and, love that. You know, and so I feel like that's what we're doing when we worship. And it's, it's, uh, and to me, I'm like, that's such a gift, such a gift that we yes. get to partner in that and we get to, see the advancing of God's kingdom and his reign and rule on the earth through our adoration Amazing. and love. Oh, so, I so love it. I can ramble. So you sometimes have to just cut me off because. No, I'm so, I'm like, I'm like, my heart is just exploding at everything you're saying because I just resonate with it. And I, I love that you said, you know, how part of the process is you, there is it, like, it is a war zone because I don't think people, including myself until, you know, I got a bit older, I didn't recognize that. We can often think that going through difficult times um, means there's something wrong with us, you know. I was thinking uh, just recently actually that the first place that Jesus goes to when he is baptised is the desert. Yes. And when we are in the desert, we think it's because we're being punished, something's wrong. That's the first place Jesus went. I think we have to remember even with that, when Jesus went into the wilderness and he was tempted by the enemy, what? was the result of it. The result was that he came out ministering in the power of the spirit. Yeah. Wow. No, I always think about it like this, that God brings that shaking for an awakening. God brings that place where the insides of us can be challenged as well. So that not so that we crumble, but so that we get strengthened in the body of Christ. And so 
you know, I think we've been in that season where God's been been doing that a lot. Yes. But, uh, you know, in terms of what you were saying before about the discouragements and I mean, I went through many of those. Yeah, I went through, I went through years of not being sure whether I was good enough, you know, you're feeling mm-hmm. inadequate, you don't know whether you have what it takes. And, you know, just a little bit, just it's a kind of progression for me in worship was I played a lot in worship teams as a keys player for a while mm-hmm. until I was up right around 16 years old. And then I started getting words about worship and I started seeing visions of myself leading worship. I, wow. You know, well, I thought, is this just me? Is this my imagination? And is this the desire of the flesh? You know, because yeah. there are so many things in worship that the enemy tries to lure you in with platform, recognition, mm. the accolade of man, all of those sort of things that we just need to crucify and, and get rid of as fast as possible. But, you know, while I was in that place, I started getting word after word that God was going to send me to nations in worship. Wow. And, and that started really from when I was around 18 years old. And so I, I started leading in house group settings first. And I would, as any worship leaders, worship pastors that might be listening to this podcast, great way to train up your worship leaders, start them off, set them in a safe environment where they have that freedom to pretty fly, express themselves, have permission to make mistakes and get it wrong. That was such a, a benefit and a blessing to me. It gave me a very safe um, place to kind of learn and to grow as a worship right. leader, just in small groups like that. And then eventually I started leading in the main service of the church I was attending back then. And and that's when I started getting all of these kind of words about nations. And, and then I really began to start seeing the prophetic aspects of worship open up. And, mm-hmm. and that's you for me. And so yeah. I don't know what it's like really for you here in, you know, for you in Australia, but over here in the UK, you know, we had the grace, we had Matt Redman, we had Tim mm-hmm. Hughes, we had some of these incredible worship leaders and songwriters. Um, but I probably wasn't hugely back then seeing much of prophetic worship. Absolutely. And so what happened for me was I actually got exposed to some, um, American prophetic worship leaders and, and probably my biggest influence, people often, you know, they ask me, who's your biggest influence in worship? Mine was probably Jason Upton, you know. Oh, I love Jason Upton. Amazing. Yeah. And so I found that his music was translating something of the heart of God. Yeah, totally. That there was something about his sound and what he was releasing that for me was pulling me into a deep place of the Father. I mean, I had yes. encountered with God through his music and other, yes. other worship leaders as well. But I would say his worship in particular had a profound impact on me. And I think when I started to hear the testimonies of what God was doing, there was an album is called Remember. And um, it's a great album. Yes. And it was an amazing album because the album was never meant to have been made because they were supposed to cancel the conference because there was a tornado headed towards That's the church. That's right. Yeah. You remember the story? story? Yeah, tell the story. It's amazing. Yeah. And so he tells, Jason tells this in another video that he was, they come to this church, they're supposed to be leading worship for this conference. And the, um, the leader of the conference of the church says, we're not going to be able to do it now. There's a tornado that's headed right this way and we need to evacuate and get everyone out of the church. And so Jason Upton basically says, can I just sing, can we sing one worship song and, and then we'll go. And, uh, you know, the pastor says, okay, one, you can sing one worship song and then we have to go. And so, um, so he does it. And then what ends up happening is on the first track of this album, you hear about, I think it's somewhere like nine minutes in or so, there's an instrumental pause. And he talks about this in another video that during that time, he started dialoguing with God and God told him, I want you to sing against, uh, against the tornado. And he said, God, if I sing against this tornado, then it better be 
you better do something because this is this is real. This is not tornadoes in the spirit. This is a physical yeah. <laughs> tornado. And so he starts just, you hear him on that first track, he starts singing against this tornado. And uh, it's amazing, so powerful. But at the end of that track, what happened was the pastor came up saying they saw a weather report saying they didn't know what happened, but wow. suddenly this tornado mysteriously disintegrated just after singing that song. And so it was, you know, the whole album got, birthed and, and made as a result of that. And, um, you know, that really opened my eyes to something more that God can do in worship that I wasn't used to experiencing because my experience was you sing 20, 25 minutes of worship, even in the charismatic circles. And, you know, everyone claps and has a good time and we all get home for our dinner, you know, and that was, that was kind of my experience. And God really began to stretch me from that point onwards about the availability of what was really possible of the worship. And so that's that's kind of how it began at that point. Wow! I yeah, I I'm resonating with your story because the same thing in Australia. There was no such thing as prophetic worship. I'll be honest. When I started to mm-hmm. be hungry for that spontaneous song, and I I was listening to Jason Upton too, and Rick Pino was one oh, of my yeah. favorites as well. Oh, and uh, absolutely, I had this. I mean, really, how I got involved in that is that Rick um, he ended up coming to Australia and I got to spend a couple of days with him where he was ministering. He took time out just to talk to me about the prophetic song and and he just really encouraged me. He was like, Roma, just go for it, just go for it. But at the time, no one even knew what this prophetic worship tag meant. They were just like, what does wow. this mean? And, and, you know, in those early days I would start singing out and doing stuff and it was a bit weird. People were just like, where's she going? Where, where's that? I can't see that on the chart, you know. But for me, I, I mean, I don't know if you know, like a lot of my listeners have heard this story, but um, yeah. I don't know if you know Graham Cook. He's a UK guy, but yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he came to our church and um, this is where it all started for me. So we're going back maybe 20 years ago now. But he just said, I want, he said, I'm going to, at this conference on a Friday night, I want Roma to just get behind me on the keyboard and we're going to do this tag team thing. And I'm like, what's he talking about? What does this mean? So I sent him an email going, can you just give me a bit more information so I can plan? And he would not respond to any of those emails. And so I got to this Friday night of the conference and I'm leading worship like I normally did. And, you know, it was okay. He actually looked a bit bored, if I'm honest, <laughs> through the whole worship. But then at the end, they introduced him up and I hadn't heard anything. So I thought, oh, maybe he's changed his mind, you know. And so everyone stands to welcome him. They're clapping as he comes on the platform. I'm walking past him to walk off with the worship team and he grabs my hand and then he he puts his microphone down so no one can hear and he goes, okay, this is what we're going to do. You're going to go to the keyboard and I'm going to release a prophetic word and every time I sense from the Father that you need to sing something out, I'm just going to look at you and I want you to sing something out. Now, today, that's heaven. Back then, I'd never done it, Right. So I literally, and I'm not exaggerating, I had a panic attack. I was like, what does he, what? I don't know. I can't, but I couldn't complain. I couldn't have a fight because we're standing on this platform. So I just went, okay. And so I went to the keyboard going, God, this is going to be the biggest mess. I don't know how this is going to work. And as soon as I put my hands on the keyboard and he started to prophesy, it literally felt like a new cloak came on me from heaven. And wow. songs were just exploding in my mind as he was wow. talking. And then he would, just when I would have something sort of in my head, he would turn around 
and I would sing it out. And we did this for two and a half hours. And it was like putting on a pair of slippers. That's the only way I know how to explain it. I was like, I've come home. This is, I can't do any, I cannot go back to the two up songs and the two down songs ever again. This has changed my life. And he said to me afterwards, he was so beautiful. He was like a real dad. He said, you did good, Roma. He said, I didn't want to tell you what we were going to do because I knew you'd try to control the whole thing. So he he was the one. But after that, that was it. And partly it was because, and I've been using this terminology lately too, maybe you can resonate with this. There are worship leaders who prophesy, but then there's prophets who lead worship. And there's very different ways and there's nothing, not one's not better than the other, but there's just different ways. So I didn't realize that I was a prophet who was leading worship. I didn't want to be a prophet. When people would prophesy that over me, I'm like, don't, don't prophesy that. Prophesy that I'm going to have a song that the world's going to sing, you know, the worshipers across the world. But no, it was like the Lord was going, you are a prophet. And, but wow. you've been, but you've been trying to be a worship leader who prophesies, not a prophet who leads worship. And that's why you've been so frustrated. And so once that flip happened in my life, I mean, it changed everything. It, it even changed the freedom in myself that I had, you know, where I was just like, it's okay. Then I'm a bit strange. I'm, I'm home, you know, you began to embrace that uniqueness of who God made you to be. Yeah. Yeah. Just like, being, you know, I think it's, what we were talking about before, you know, just everyone's always asking what this new sound is. Yeah. And that, that new sound is, is really the, the unique expression of the, the believer being fully embraced. Yeah. And that's the sound that God wants to see released in the earth. Yeah. Um, you know, I, th- yeah. I think sometimes there are certain aspects of things that God hits on. Yeah. Sound of deliverance, you know, things mm-hmm. like that, that sometimes come through in different nations and, in different places, but um, I really believe that we're just in this place where the sound that God really wants to see released in the earth is the body of Christ embracing the fullness of the uniqueness, their expression that God's put on the inside of them, and yes. and seeing that release. And, and it sounds like that's what you really experienced in in that moment for yourself. And and it's so liberating, isn't it, when you come into oh, that? I mean, you just don't care anymore what people think, and you really are set free. It doesn't mean things aren't hard, you know. I've had like you, there's been lots of seasons. I mean, I was when you were talking about discouragement. I had a flashback to the very first time I, sh- when I was in in my twenties, where I had somebody I really looked up to in Christian music industry say, "Send me your songs. I want to hear your songs." And I was so excited. I spent days on my with a cassette tape recording all the songs on me on this old out of tune piano. And I must have sent her thirty songs, and she came back and she said, "Roman, none of these are good." They're really average. And I cried and cried and cried because I thought they were like the best thing ever, you know. And I'm like, how could she do this? She's so mean. How could she say this? But actually it made me go deeper, you know, those times of discouragement. Those And one thing I'd even say to people, and I'm I'm seeing this a lot in the nations at the moment. I don't know if you are too, but one of Mm -hmm. the biggest comments I get from worship teams when they're asking me to come and train is they go, look, we're having a real issue with our songwriters. It's a real sore point at the moment. Maybe don't talk about it when you come or we've had a lot of um, upheaval in that area, so we don't want to talk about the songwriting. And I'm seeing the pattern so much now that I'm going, Lord, what's going on here? There is a real attack on songwriters at the moment. 
And so just re- just today I sent an email back to a church that said this to me and I said, I know you've told me not to go after this, but now I am going to go after this because that's exactly what the enemy wants is for you to shut that whole thing down. So I'd love you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, actually my own experience is very much that the place of songwriting was capped and shut for a long time. Yeah. And so, you know, I had a long time of, yeah, led worship for years now. A lot of people in the UK familiar with who I am and, yes. um, you know, and so I had over and over again, people asking me, where are your songs? Where are your songs? Where are your songs? You know, and every time inside I'd be thinking, yeah, where are my songs? Because there was this um, limitation and this blockage that was really mm-hmm. over me. What I didn't realize was it was something more spiritual that was going on. And I think sometimes, you know, we, if things happen in the spirit, they have to be dealt with in the spirit. Um, and so wow. we have to, we have to apply appropriately, um, you know, the right kind of strategy, tack, whatever you want to call it to deal with certain situations that are going on. And so there was a particular spiritual element that was identified by another prophet that was keeping a cap on me really. From wow. the and when this particular thing was removed, uh, suddenly it was like the gates just opened up. And I couldn't believe it. The ease of writing songs just began to pour out. And so I think a lot of the times you have to understand as songwriters, worshippers, the enemy's trying to do whatever he can to shut your mouth. Yes. And from releasing what God is putting on the inside of you and seeing the creativity that God has given you shut down. I remember even back in lockdown, there was this whole word that I'd had uh, where I'd seen this kind of magpie in the spirit, this black bird that's, you know, renowned bird both attacking the, the eggs of the unborn, but also stealing and thieving. And I remember that a word that God spoke to me about that for many right at that time during COVID, that there was this sort of magpie in the spirit wow. that would really to gag a generation, to shut their mouths so they wouldn't be able to speak, to intimidate them, but to, and to really bring a thieving and a robbery to the voice of the Levites and the worshipers. And, you know, not only that, but it was, and so I think a lot of the time that's what takes place really for worship leaders, songwriters, and so you can find yourself often stuck in this place and you don't know quite what is happening. You need some way to advance through it. But again, I'd really encourage worship leaders and songwriters to search and seek the Lord in the spirit for what it is that's going on. And I think, you know, I think we have to also deal with our own insecurities. I think yeah. sometimes one of the biggest caps can be the fear that a lot of songwriters have. Um, you know, for a long time, I think songwriters, you can carry this inadequacy. What if my song's not good enough? What if this chorus doesn't become popular enough? What if people don't, you know, all of these questions start to come up. And as soon as you're carrying that kind of level of doubt and unbelief and this fear and this inadequacy, it, it really becomes, uh, you know, you set yourself under a place uh, of an obstacle and a blockage that kind of, it blinds you from being able to hear and see mm-hmm. and think those moments. And, you know, I can say that because I've experienced it over the years. Yeah. And so I remember that because of my own insecurities in that area for a long time, it was really keeping me back from being able to float in the creativity that God mm. had put in me. And I think that's often what it's like where in the area of inadequacy. And so, you know, you find in churches, it's a very sore point, some writing. Yeah. I find in general feedback to worship teams is a sore point in a lot of churches. And, you know, I'm trying to see, my heart is really to see that broken and changed. What do you mean when you say that? What happens is worship leaders often take feedback that's given for our pastor or a worship pastor. And what we do is we take it as a critiquing of our identity, not of our mm. craft. 
And so what happens is worship pastor says to you, this part of this set wasn't so good. I think you could have done this, could have done that. Yeah. What was it that made you make this decision in the moment of worship? And in the moment, just like when you were describing when you know you presented your songs to uh, to that person, uh, it's, this may not have been your story, but this would be that would be a kind of a, a mm. common scenario. When that person hears our songs and then tells us they're not good, rather than just taking it as the songs need to be worked on and proved upon, we take it as I need to be Absolutely. worked on. Absolutely. We start to merge in an unhealthy way where our identity begins to get formed with what we do instead of who we are. So the basis of our success is on the quality of our songs and what we do rather than who God says we are. And so, you know, again, if we're not careful, we set ourselves under a trap in that moment. And so that's something I observe quite a bit. And I think it's why we have to get as anchored and secure as we can in the Father. Um, Because if you're looking for the applause of man, then you'll be completely governed by the applause of man. Yeah. And at the same time, it means you'll be governed by the criticism of man. No, it means you'll be ruled by the very thing that you behold and yeah, you meditate wow. most. And so if you meditate primarily on the words of man, you're going to be completely governed and identified so by it. That is so spot on. I, You know what, I, I'll tell you some of my thoughts around that too, is that I 100% agree with what you're saying. And I think that one of the reasons why we can feel that way is it's, it's, it really is. It's that identity thing. It's an orphan spirit. We, we're not, we don't have a revelation that we're a son or a daughter. We're living like an orphan. So if we're feeling attacked when someone's saying something to us, it can feel that way. Even if they're genuine and they're heartfelt, a lot of times it can be other reasons. But I think as a leader, how I mm-hmm. can help that. So I think, yes, we need to be training people to recognize they are sons and daughters, but it also means we have to learn to be better fathers and mothers. Absolutely. And, and I think a lot of worship pastors and worship worship leaders have, have their own identity problems. And so they're not being that. They're not being that father and that mother. My experience is when you're a mum or a dad, that means you have relationships. And when you have relationship with that person, it changes the way they respond to feedback. And the thing I love about relationship, I actually think relationship is the new sound. Doing life with people, it's not just about a Sunday service or an event or task-driven. We genuinely care. I mean, that's why Dr. Sharon is such an amazing person because she wants to love people, not just raise them up in their calling. I think if we have more leaders like that, it will change the sound of nations. Absolutely. We need more mothers and fathers, you know, and I think we need mothers and fathers who are not threatened. Yes. Any of them haven't been mothered and fathered well. What you then end up with is a cycle and a pattern of leadership that doesn't really want sons and daughters to yes. fly or accelerate ahead of them. Yes. I think, you know, the mark of true mothering and fathering is you want your children to stand upon your shoulders yes. and fly way higher than you were able to go. Yes, uh, 100%. So, yeah, I agree. And I, I think for those people that are listening that are mothers and fathers right now, and maybe you feel like you never really had that season to fly, I want to encourage you because God he's not just about one generation, he's about the generations. And I think we make this mistake when fathers and mothers 
fathers and mothers, it means they're going to just, they're passing the baton on, but it's not the case at all. There's something different. There's something new and it's better than what we could ever imagine. Like I know for me in this season that I'm in now, I feel like I'm writing better songs than I ever have. I I feel more at peace with myself than I ever have. I'm not competing with anyone. Like it's completely changed and I feel so fulfilled in what I'm doing as a mother, you know, and I know know my time's not done. I don't know what it's going to look like, but it's not going to look like a son and a daughter anymore. It's going to look like a mother and a father and that's precious, you know. And I think we have to think about it as well. It's not just passing a baton on, but it's building a legacy. That's great. Wow. Really to have that perspective that as mothers and fathers, what we're doing is really building for generations to come. So, so if you see it from that picture, I mean, it's a glorious task. It's so, it's glorious and it's joyful, isn't it? You know, because you, Absolutely. and then you let go of that. Because I think we can kind of get stuck. We go, oh, but I didn't see what I dreamed of seeing. And so you hold on to this idea. But if you actually just let go of it, the Lord just, oh, it's just beautiful what he opens up to us. And, you know, I was thinking about that story I just told before where the very first time I presented those songs, somebody told me, look, none of them are good. And I'll go, I'm, I'm having another flashback to 20 years later, right, where somebody actually said to me, I can't even believe this person said this, but they said, we don't think you um, carry the sound of the nation any longer. Now, 20 years ago, that would have gutted me. But when that person said it, I laughed. <laughs> yes. And yes. I wasn't laughing to mock them. I was laughing because I know who I am. Yes. And it does not matter if man hates every single thing I do. I have the eyes of the master. I have the ears of the master. I'm in the secret Amen. place. And so when that when that comment was said, I was like, wow, it didn't go deep. I'm happy, you know, I'm not sad. I'm happy. It doesn't matter. And so yeah. I'm I'm not saying that for people to go, oh, that's terrible, but to actually go no, maybe no, no. people have had that spoken of them. But it's true. It is yeah. true. And you really see the transition, the changes that God makes. I mean, I remember, I remember when I was told that my weakest area of worship was prophetic worship. Wow. And so, just, you know, wow. but anyone who knows me would, would, would think that's, you know, it's, it's kind of a ridiculous thing because most people know me for this yes. prophetic style of worship that yes. I lead. And, you know, at the beginning, you know, how many of us know that that, even that through the words of people, Enemy will use that as an assignment to come against you, to try. Yes, 100%. You out of your pool and derail you. Um, yeah. But, you know, I felt as even as you were sharing, it's this, this encouragement that, you know, what God has set in motion uh, will continue to build momentum and it won't be stopped by man. And so there are things that in those moments, the enemy might try and use the words of someone else to try and derail yes. you, steer you off course. But what God has set in motion uh, will come to pass. Praise you know, God. as long as you're faithful to God and obedient and yielding to him, you're going to see the fulfillment of that. And so, you know, it's funny when you said that because I'm like, now I'd be able to laugh at some of those, yeah. those things that back then probably crushed me, you know, and it took oh, me a while when I recovered from it. It's the worst. It. Totally, yeah. totally. I mean, that took me years when that lady said she didn't like any of my songs. I was like, what? I poured my life and bled for this, you know? All the listeners that are listening, you're really getting an insight into the, the vulnerabilities and the, That's right. you know, the, the things that we have to kind of walk through. You know, we're, we're on that journey and, and God is so good and so kind. And, you know, from my own experience, it was very much, I just drove hard into the father. I just Beautiful. ran hard after Jesus. 
And as I did that, and as I pursued his presence above a platform, what began to happen was that really, you know, rooting began to start taking place, a foundation in my life. You just notice that the more and more, you know, the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, that we with unveiled faces beholding the glory of God are being mm. transformed into his image. From one degree mm. of glory to another. And that verse has always stuck with me because it always, to me, captures the nature of worship. The worship is what we behold. And yeah. so... And that you always become like this very thing you behold. Yes. And so it always stuck with me. And it's, and it's this invitation given to us by God that if you want to become like Jesus, I know everyone listening on this call is good. There are people that will love him, want to become like him. We want to become like Jesus. Behold him. Behold the very thing that you love and trust to know that you'll be conformed to the image of it. Mm-hmm. I really Amen. began to experience as I just plowed for hours in the secret place with mm-hmm. the Lord in love with Jesus, start to conform, start to think more like him, feel more like him, start to realize some of those things that used to take a deeper route, they no longer have that mm-hmm. effect. Why? Because they no longer have the level of access, influence yeah. or authority. Wow. Where they don't have that access or that authority or influence, they don't have the ability to establish a place in you or upon you like they once did. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I think those things only really get worked out through plowing deep into yeah. the father, falling in love with Jesus, uh, to the point where he begins to possess everything, the way we mm-hmm. think, the way we see, the way we, the way we feel and everything, you know? So, I mean, uh, anyone, you know, I'm a huge advocate of the secret place, you know, drawing in with God and knowing that God draws near to us and, and really that being the foundation for everything. That's what I learned early on in, in worship is that, you know, worship really wasn't about this platform. And it really wasn't about this, this moment of time or an event or a conference that the worship was a whole lifestyle, just as Romans 12 mm-hmm. speaks about it. It's a whole sacrificial offering of our lives and our bodies to God to be renewed by him, to walk in his ways. And that the worship was really actually so much more of it was what took place in secret when no one else was around. Mm-hmm. The audience of one, you know, because any of us worship before a crowd. Any of us can raise our hands and get on our knees and yeah. look really good. But, yeah. you know, when you're in the hard seasons and, and when you're in the seasons when you're in secret is really what begins to expose the depths and the truth of your worship. I mean, so before the audience one, that's really where I think I always say it like this, that the secret place is where wars are fought, but warriors are forged. Wow. And that was really kind of something that God began to speak to me about over the last few years. But the reality is this, that what we do on the platform, and I know you'll testify and agree with me on this, is is an overflow of what we do in secret. And so what takes place in secret really is, I think about is like my true worship before God. Yes. It's not that the platform isn't, it's just that the, the platform is just the extension, it's the yes. overflow of what has been cultivated in the life of a worship leader in secret. Yeah. Oh, amen. Amen. I want to jump up and down. That is just spot on. I love this. Steve, this conversation has been so like a deep well. That's what it's felt like. I want to ask you so many more questions, but I'm like, we're going to have to get you back on another time because I I know, I I don't want to make the podcast too long because I feel like people get a bit lost, you know, with too much information, but I've just absolutely loved this and I feel like you've become a new friend, Steve. So, yes, likewise. 
I I just I honor you. I honor you for the what you're doing, and we cheer you on. I cannot wait to hear this new album. I cannot wait to meet you in person. And um, Steve, maybe to end, two things. Yeah. Number one is where can really? people find your music? That's the first thing. Second thing yeah. I want to say is I'd love you to pray for our listeners, if that's all right. So, firstly, where can people find out more about you? Yeah. So you can either go to my website, which is stevetebb.com. That's an easy place. It's kind of where my itinerary is. It's where there are links to the music. So that's always an easy option, stevetebb.com. Right. Uh, but honestly, for anyone who's out there who's on the music platforms, Apple Music and Spotify and Amazon Music, all of that, you can just search my name right. uh, and you, you'll be able to see a, a you know variety of kind of projects I've been on and a couple of the recent singles from the album that have just been being released and and uh, so, yeah, you can Fantastic. kind of stay up to scratch there with everything awesome. I'm doing. I love being on this call. Thank you so much for having me. I would love to come back and do another one because I feel like we were just starting and scratching I the do. surface. And, uh, you know, I, I know do. there's so many things that me and you would love to speak about on here and just things that are probably both deep in our hearts for, for worshippers right now. And um, so let's let's please get another one in. But, yes, uh, please. I'm not going to join you and to get to actually meet you as well. And like you said, it feels like I've made another friend. So I'm super grateful for that, but I'd love to pray for everyone on this call. Um, Father, I just thank you. Thank you for for Roma. Thank you for this podcast, Lord. And thank you, Father, for all those worshippers that are listening. Father, I pray, God, that there will be a release even right now. Father, for everything that we've been sharing today, God, for all of those who needed to hear on this call, the, the journey of a worshiper, the life's failings and discouragements, but God, how you take us out from that place and you strengthen us and you empower us and you equip us by the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray, God, let there be a wind of the Spirit, even right now, that will begin to blow. And Father, let there be the voice of the Lord that begins to break through the hard places of the seasons of wilderness right now. And I want to prophetically declare that those of you who are positioned in a desert place right now, God is making streams for you in the name of Jesus. Those of you who are in a place that feels barren, God is about to bring a birthing to that which has felt like there's been no life to it. But those who feel like they've been in a desert and a distant season, God is preparing you and releasing even right now in you a doorway that might pull you into a place and a season with God that you never had before. Father, I pray, would you sweep them up today? Lord, would you lure them into your courts, God? Would you take them to that place where your glory dwells, Father? Would they find fullness of joy in your presence, Father? Just like you promised in your word, pleasures evermore, God, it's the most glorious place we could ever be. I pray that this generation of worshipers listening, I pray they would fall deeply in love with you. I pray that they would be strengthened by you, God. I pray even right now that God, their spirit man would be activated with the prophetic sound of God. I pray that there will be a download of prophetic songs from heaven into your spirit, man, that as you lead worship, as you play your instrument, as you sing, that you begin to hear the sounds and melodies of God that begin to just drop in you and upon you. Just as Roma was sharing that story with Graham Cook and and the way the Lord just began to come upon her like a cloak, I pray that the spirit of prophecy will come upon you like a cloak right now in Jesus' name. And Father, break through that fear that some of those who are listening have had break through that place of limitation where they felt paralyzed and stuck and unable to to make it to the next level in the next place. Father, we just declare where the spirit of God is, there is liberty, there is freedom. I declare freedom over you right now. I speak right now to your voices to be loosed. I speak right now to your hands and fingertips to be loosed. I declare in Jesus name, every restriction would come off you right now. Every limitation would be broken now in the name of Jesus. And I declare that what God 
what God is doing, no man would stop or interfere yes. with. No devil, no enemy, no demonic assignment would prevail. No weapon formed against you would prosper, but you would go forth in the plans and purposes of God. And so, Lord, we just love you. We say, God, this is for you, God. We want to be worshipers, a people that love the Lord with all our heart, all our soul, all our strength and all our mind, and that proclaim that Jesus is worthy until the day of your return. And so, Lord, I pray, form in us the heart of David, God, form in us the yes. heart of a worshiper that longs to proclaim the worth of Jesus, the Lamb of God. And so, Lord, we give you this time. Thank you for these wonderful people. And Lord, we bless it for the glory of your name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Steve. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Roma. It's such a joy to be with you. You too. It's been awesome. We'll have you back. Thank you so much. Thanks so much for listening to Release the Sound, a podcast on prophetic worship. If you're hungry for more, head to romawaterman.com where you can check out my book, Releasing Heaven's Song, Singing Over Your Nation for Breakthrough and Revival. It includes activations that you can use with your team or even on your own. And I've also got an online school where we have several courses on the prophetic, worship, spirituality and creativity. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review. And until then, I pray that you will release the song of heaven over your family, your church, and even your nation. And I look forward to sharing with you in the next Release the Sound Prophetic Worship Podcast.